0: Welcome to Reinventing the Future by HP Tech Ventures. I'm your host, Bonnie Day. In this podcast, we go behind the scenes with startup founders and entrepreneurs who are defining tomorrow's world and experiences. We are talking innovation, their groundbreaking ideas, their big picture strategies, and how they continually adapt to our ever-changing world. Their stories will inspire you to dream big, tap into your inner innovator, and create the future you imagine. In today's episode, we're talking with Drew Perkins, CEO of Mojo Vision, a company developing the world's first AR contact lens. Drew is a serial entrepreneur who is all about inventing the future. His current goal to give us all some superpowers.
1: Welcome, Drew.
0: Hi, Drew Perkins, how are you?
1: <laughs> I'm very good, Bonnie. How are you?
0: Good. I'm so glad you're joining us today. So, tell me about this latest venture, Mojo Vision. You are doing some really thrilling things there.
1: Absolutely. Mojo Vision is about inventing the future, period. We have invented the future. And we believe that in the future, people should have access to all the information that they want just by seeing it, okay? Whether it's in the cloud or in their own human body. You should be able to see information without needing a mobile phone in your hand or a laptop computer in front of you, any other device that gets between you and other people. You should just be able to have information as if you just know it. And so to realize that vision, we've been building this device that we call the Mojo lens. It's a smart contact lens as a built-in display that only you see. You don't actually see the display, you see what the the display is, is displaying you and showing you and how it's augmenting the world. And our goal is to give you access to information while allowing you to have your hands free your hand your eyes up and your head up without burying yourself uh, in another device and without any, any kind of device getting between you and other people
0: and I just love that idea that you know our technology can either become between us or it can join us connect us and you're you're finding this pathway where we are actually Gathering all the information, and yet we are still looking each other in the eye. We're still connecting. We're still doing all the human linking that we need to do to be our best selves.
1: Exactly, and and our goal is um, to get, be an assistive technology to people that need assistance, that have handicaps of a variety of different types, especially visual hand, handicaps, but possibly others. But allow everybody to have superhuman capabilities and just be able to access information without anyone else knowing it, seeing it, and they can just see that information.
0: For you personally, was there something uh, about the vision that like, did something happen in your life that really triggered the vision that really inspired it?
1: Yeah, I, I had just started my last company and I developed cataracts in my eyes. And you know, I was starting to go, uh, my vision was starting to fail. And I thought, oh, I need new glasses again. But I went to the optometrist and no, it wasn't just needing new glasses. I was developing cataracts. And so I had to have cataract surgery uh, back in 2011 in my left eye, I think. And then in 2012 in my right eye to follow up. And uh, in cataract surgery, they put these devices called intraocular lenses. They're they're small little plastic lenses. They take out the natural crystalline lens in your eye and they insert this piece of plastic. and it's the most common operation on the planet because almost everybody gets cataracts when they get in, in older years, but there's a genetic component too. And I got it pretty young, um, but um, it's a 10 minute operation and you walk out of the um, come out of the operating room and, and you, you went in, you know, on your way to going blind and you coming out uh, and come out and you can see pretty well, but not perfectly. There were imperfections, um, certain distances I could see in certain distances, That are a little bit blurry. And when I was growing up in the 70s, one of my favorite TV shows was The Bionic Man, the $6 million man, Steve Austin. And he had this incredible vision that he could, you know, zoom in on on things from from long distances. And I thought, why doesn't that technology exist, you know, 40 years um, later? And darn it, you know, I'm an incredible deep tech guy. Someday I'm going to figure out how to solve that problem and give us all supervision uh, and superhuman capabilities. Um, so that company went for a couple of years. And finally, I exited that company. And I thought, all right, time to dive in and figure out how to make true bionics and, and give everybody these superhuman capabilities. And, and Mojo was born.
0: You talk about invisible computing. Um, what does that mean to you in terms of, you know, the actual tech and then the the human meaning that it, that it will bring to our
1: lives? Our goal is to be able to let people have information without having to have an obvious device in their hand or in front of them. Let's get rid of mobile phones. Let's get a, get rid of laptops. Let's just be able to see information as if you're looking at a screen without there actually being a screen. And, um, We can do that through the Mojo lens we've figured out how to do that and we've invented that and uh, our goal is to over time literally replace. Every device every screen on every device doesn't need to be there, Um, you don't need something showing you information if you can just see that information as if your brain is plugged in uh, to the machine at all times and uh, that's what we call invisible computing because other people won't see. The, the device that's giving you that information is it's just not obvious. And uh, by putting it and hiding it in a contact lens that is is discreet and basically invisible, um, we can realize that vision.
0: Have you experienced the lens yourself?
1: Absolutely. I've put a number of generations of Mojo lens on my eye um, already. And um, I'm always the first person to, to put it on. Uh, On on my eye, I'm I'm building these things and make sure that I'm that they're totally safe uh, before anyone else experiences it.
0: Share that with us. What is that like?
1: Uh, It's, you know, the first time I did it and could see information, uh, it was absolutely mind blowing. And um, to just be able to look around and, and see information What's even more blind mind blowing is our technology works with your eyes closed. So if you close your eyes, you can still see. And that was absolutely incredible. So I'm the first person in history, I, as far as I know, to be able to watch a movie, with uh, video with my eyes closed. But someday we envision that you'll go on an airplane and you'll see lots of people in their, in their seats with their eyes closed and you think they're sleeping, but no, they're watching the movie.
0: <laughs> That's just so amazing. Let's talk about your team a little bit. You have quite the team, um, what like a hundred patents between you. I mean, you know, it's it, it's what is it like for you all to come together and to invent together? You know, is, is it just constant, um, you know, just just constantly building on each other's abilities and visions and excitement?
1: Yeah, I've tried to build a culture at the company where um, everybody is empowered to invent and innovate. And we, we, every week, um, talk about what everybody's doing and let people present what their latest, greatest ideas are and, and uh, what they're working on and really celebrate um, all of our success and innovation. And uh, I think it's a very important part of our culture. And it's something that uh, you don't get, you don't see it in a lot of other places. There's many other well-known tech companies um, that, uh, have, uh, more, uh, very draining, um, soul sucking cultures, um, as I've heard anyway. Um, and, uh, you know, we try to make, make work truly fun, um, through the power of, uh, innovation exploration, you know, um, and, and people let people create.
0: That's wonderful. And in, um, Within that, is it necessary for you to somewhat incentivize playfulness, um, a, a willingness to fail, um, you know, just sort of that, that openness that it takes to really truly innovate?
1: Um, certainly. And, um, you know, we, we don't always succeed. Uh, oftentimes, we try something, it doesn't work, try again, try again, and you keep trying until you find the right path. Where. We're pathfinding we're discovering we're you know researching on every piece of this thing and how to make it better and and just make it work from the get go and then keep improving it and just keep going around that cycle over and over again to come up with the best thing and and that's the power of uh, that's really how innovation works.
0: I wonder, do you feel like entrepreneurs are really a certain breed of cat because, you know, you just need to have that that steel will and that ability to go forward blindly sometimes? Do you think that that's just a certain type of person?
1: Um, Absolutely. I've known a number of entrepreneurs, you know, in my uh, 58 years at this point. And, uh, you know, they have a lot of things in common. Just the courage to take no prisoners and and make things happen. And, um, you know, damn the torpedoes, I'm moving ahead.
0: So the second part of that question is if entrepreneurs are one breed of cat, are serial entrepreneurs like you, are you even more different?
1: I would think so, yeah. Certainly a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, do one thing and rest on their laurels or if they fail, they stop and just get a job. Um, to be a serial entrepreneur requires, you know, most likely failing a few times before you succeed and, and uh, understanding failure as well as success and being comfortable with that.
0: And don't you think sometimes that you learn as much from your failures or maybe more than you do from your successes?
1: For sure. I, my first couple of companies um, were frankly failures, and uh, but I learned so much from them, from them in the Luckily, succeeded in most things since then.
0: So, I would assume that, especially being a serial entrepreneur, you have this lifestyle that is very um, challenging, high stress. Is it something that you just thrive on, or is it something that you adapt to?
1: Um, You know, it's something that's exciting and exhilarating and, um, you know, adrenaline pumping. uh, at, at, at most times. Um, so I think I've always been an adrenaline junkie in my personal life, whether it's in sports or, you know, just about everything in my personal life and, and business, uh, has followed suit with that all goes together. And
0: when the going gets rough, as I'm sure it does sometimes, how do you cope with that? How do you just, you know, find a way to go on and say, this is worth it?
1: Lots of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my 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 drug of choice is, is for certain sugar. Um, otherwise, it's just going and talking and getting advice from other entrepreneurs and having a very big network of advisors. Uh, and uh, um, as i've as uh, I once heard the term kitchen cabinet members, um, people in my own kitchen cabinet. Uh, of, just dozens, hundreds of people that I can, if I got a question, you know, I know this person. I'll have the answer. They'll have the experience. They can talk me through this, help me figure it out.
0: Well, and that's an excellent point. You know, the whole idea of having a network, of having, you know, this this kitchen cabinet to go to, that's something that you didn't have when you started out, I'm assuming. And um, I, I wonder, is it something that you, Figured out the value of right away, or is it something that sort of dawned on you later in life?
1: Um, luckily, somebody told me pretty early in my career that it's all about people, and you know, no matter how smart you are, um, you can't—you never have enough time to do everything yourself. And you may be able to learn everything yourself, but you just can't do it, and you've got to rely on other people and, and build a team. And anything of significance, doing anything of significance really requires a team. And the bigger it is, the bigger team it requires.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the partnership with HP. Um, What does that bring to Mojo Vision, in your opinion?
1: Um, So, a number of different things. Um, You know, we've been very excited to be working with HP and having them uh, as a partner. There's obviously financial. Um, aspect of it. HP Tech Ventures you know, has invested in the company and that's, you know, allowed us to, uh, um, their capital has allowed us to make a lot more progress and, and continue the development that we've done. Um, but we've also had a number of discussions with different parts of HP, you know, about the future and future products. And, you know, we very much hope that at some point um, we can have joint development and, and work on a, a joint product where we, don't have anything we can talk about today, but um, that opportunity is, is there, I think. And um, at some point, I think we will do that.
0: And does it give you some sort of uh, invisible stamp of approval?
1: Um, I think so. I'm proud to every time I'm presenting the company to someone new, um, mention HP as one of our investors. And, uh, you know, that's a that's a big stamp of approval.
0: when you um think about risk do you feel like your relationship to it is that you invite it that you are motivated by it
1: um certainly um you know i once heard what you know someone say you know why why do you go out on the limb that's where the fruit is <laughs> and so um you know you always want to try to have you know find a plan that is the least risky but in order to truly do something big and and make money or succeed in, in big ways it generally requires risk otherwise everybody else will be doing it so uh, to to succeed whether people have failed requires taking the risks and trying first first trying that's just the first thing you have to do is try uh, then you need to be smart about it and and come up with the least risky way to achieve it.
0: You know, clearly the way you think in your career is very disruptive. You know, you're always sort of far ahead of whatever curve is coming. Um, I'm curious, do you feel like you apply that disruptive thinking in your own life? Do you feel like you're, you know, (laughs) there's anything else in your life that you're very, uh, unusually disruptive about?
1: Um, I, uh, have always, uh, almost always, been very much into sports cars, uh, for instance, and I've had a number of Ferraris uh, uh, over time. Um, currently, uh, currently, I'm so busy at, at work, I haven't had a lot of time to put into that. But uh, you know, it's been one of pleasures of my life.
0: You had a very serious accident, what about 20 years ago?
1: Um, 1991, so 30 years ago now. 30 my girlfriend at the time who later became my first wife. <laughs> um, and I had just left a Christmas party and we're driving on a road that was a four lane road, with a double yellow line down the middle and a drunk driver in a large van, um, hit my sports car head on, uh, pretty much. I woke up three weeks later. I'd been in a coma for three weeks and, uh, didn't remember the accident at all. It all just totally got zapped from my, from my mind. But, um, you know, I woke up in this room full of flowers because all my friends and I was one of the first people active in the internet, helped build the internet. And people all over the internet came out and uh, sent me cards and messages and flowers. And I woke up surrounded by my family and all these flowers and that was just one of the first one of those first experiences that really made me appreciate the value of people, because when I was at one of the low points of my life, um, people reached out and, and really gave me the will to live. And
0: that's a really life altering experience, you know, mm-hmm. to, to go from being completely vulnerable and, and literally unconscious. Um, I would assume that uh, it. It has helped you evolve from there, you know. You have this need now to help people that is very clear in your work and in your in your company. And I would assume that that has something to do with it, you know, because you know what it's like to be in need of help now.
1: Absolutely, yeah. You know, experience loss and trauma in your own life, for at least some people, um, it uh, leads them to be more compassionate and understanding. Other people, you know, just get angry and and don't live good lives out of it, I think. But um, in my case, I, I uh, think I understand other people's drama and and uh, issues and problems and try to help them.
0: That makes me wonder, do you try and help other entrepreneurs? Do you try and give advice? Do you try and, and, and share your learnings at all?
1: Um, yeah, I talk to a lot of, you know, new entrepreneurs and other people and try to share my uh, learnings and hopefully wisdom uh, with them, experiences with them. Um, and, uh, you know, I learn a lot in the process about other people and challenges and and way they go about things in the process that I can then apply to my own situation. The most important advice I give to anyone is it's all about people. It's all about team. Be good to your people, good to your team. And I'll give you the best the best opportunities and chance and chance of success.
0: So in terms of the future, you know, when you're thinking about your kids' careers, you know, you're thinking about how it's going to look in, let's say, 10 years, 15 years. What's your big, bold vision? What is the thing that you think is going to be most significant in our future?
1: Really, the integration of technology with biology and our own human body, and um, the things that technology is going to allow us to do—to recover from illness, avoid illness altogether, and and really have um, what our superpowers—and whether they're you know dealing with mechanical motion or senses or or information or whatever—I just see a relentless. Um, um, progress on building more technology that is more personal and more um, attuned to our own humanity.
0: Well, I cannot tell you how enjoyable it is to talk to you because clearly you are impacting people and I just love to learn about it. So um, thank you so much, Drew, for joining us. It's just amazing. We've been talking to Drew Perkins. He's the CEO of Mojo Vision and Quite a guy.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bonnie.
0: Thank you for joining us for Episode 3 of Reinventing the Future by HP Tech Ventures. Many thanks to Drew Perkins, CEO of Mojo Vision, and HP Tech Ventures Portfolio Company for sharing his remarkable story with us. Join us next time for more inspiration from startup founders and entrepreneurs whose companies are making life better for everyone, everywhere. In the meantime, remember, we all have the power to shape the future. What future will you create? If you enjoyed this episode of Reinventing the Future, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review.